Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to the Anthony and Todd show. As it has been in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. I'm your host, Trevor. And I'm Vincent, apparently. I don't know what that was at the beginning. <laughs> That's what they say at church. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because we're talking about the most religious album, Wiki. Half God. Because <laughs> he's half a god. <laughs> This is our uh, last week on the Anthony and Todd show. Ever? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> We're done after this that. This is our last week of, of doing a handful of reviews, at least for this year. Uh, starting next week, we're going to be starting to get into some year-end stuff, our, our favorites of the year, and uh, we'll start to kind of put a nice little bow on 2021. But at least for now, we've got three more albums that we want to discuss. Uh, first off, we've got... Black Country New Roads album from earlier this year for the first time. We've got Wiki's latest release, Half God, and then we're going to go Whole God with Lingua Ignota <laughs> Sinner Get Ready. <laughs> and without further ado, the, the reviews. reviews. <laughs> go for it. Black Country New Road for the first time. While the rest of the world was introduced to London rock band Black Country New Road earlier this year, their song Sunglasses has been forced upon me by the Spotify algorithm every couple of months for about two years now. This was gang signs and bald before those songs ever existed. <laughs> and every single time I listen to that track, despite not knowing really what I thought about the group or the song itself. And in the end, I kind of thought Sunglasses was a lot of feelings crammed into a one eight or so minute track. Admittedly, some of those feelings were kind of pretentious, like the bit about mother gripping the Nutra bullet or the cries to leave Kanye out of this. Wait, is but, that the front man of Black Country New Road in this review? That's crazy. Yeah, it's me. It's me, Isaac Wood. <laughs> I also thought some of the feelings were kind of relatable, such as vocalist Isaac Wood's overwhelming thoughts of mediocrity and being destined for a boring life. I think just about anybody kind of feels that way sometimes. Nevertheless, I finally decided that I needed to know more, and I sought out their few other songs that they had recorded. I barely had time to even process those songs until early this year, when For the First Time finally dropped, and it was then that I had a feeling that they were about to catch on like wildfire. One of my favorite things about Black Country New Road in general is their affinity for layering. I'm sure this kind of thing comes pretty naturally, since one of the most immediately noticeable things about the band is that they're freaking huge. There's like 20 members. <laughs> <laughs> That's how many people it takes to build a new road. <laughs> <laughs> For an example of what I just said, look no further than their opening track, Instrumental. It starts out with a solid bass line before adding these frantic toms, then a scurrying synth, a smooth beachy guitar rift, and finally two saxophones playing in harmony. The layers start to morph with the drummer adding in cymbals and changing up the rhythm or dropping out different elements. The whole track sounds more like a klezmer song with a modern twist than the post-punk they typically pedal. I love how each instrument and element follows their own rhythms, especially the synth, until it feels like no one is necessarily playing in sync, just kind of all at the same time. There are jazz-like improv solos across the board, a testament to the group's ability to mix up their tracks at live shows. The whole track builds and builds until finally all the instruments are added back in to create this tidal wave of sound, 
just speeding towards you until with one final note, it all just ends and comes crashing around you. Some of these tracks are good auditory representations of falling into madness. Science Fair showcases this descent in full, starting out with static, then silence. As you wait in the anticipation, drums slowly fade into frame, immediately being wiped out by hideous guitar distortion that takes the listener's attention off everything else, before dropping out abruptly heading into the first verse of the track, where Isaac recounts meeting a girl at a science fair and how she was impressed by him setting things on fire, but eventually getting too close to the flame as Isaac accidentally lights her on fire. The experiment gone wrong is a metaphor for the band. There's a really fun line in the middle where Isaac says, just to think I could have left the fair with no, my no, dick. do the band. Do the, do the voice. <laughs> Just to think, I I can't. <laughs> He's like Andre the Giant. <laughs> I can do Hulk Hogan. Listen, brother. Just to think, I could have left the fair with my dignity intact, brother, and fled the stage with the world's second best slint tribute app, brother. All right, leave that. <laughs> Don't read it again. That's it. <laughs> can you, you? How about you do your impression? No, you've already done it. <laughs> I don't think you could understand mine. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I think it just sounded like just gibberish. <laughs> and just to think I could have left the fair in, with my dignity intact and fled from the stage with the world's second best slint tribute act. Isaac's failings have made him distraught, but also taught him lessons to learn from his mistakes. This kind of manic determination created out of spite pops up out of the end of the first verse. As Isaac says, I know where I'm going. It's black country out there. Even though it's dangerous and unknown, Isaac has found some motivation to continue down this new path. Then the track lyrically goes more off the rails as Isaac views a Cirque du Soleil performer. He believes for a moment the performer is staring only at him before he realizes he's part of a crowd, and that makes him uncomfortable. He wasn't meant to be part of a crowd. He was meant to be a performer. So he carries on down the black country, continuing his own path. Instrumentally, the end is perched precariously on the peak of a mountain, unsteadily wobbling from side to side, like the ground beneath it could collapse at any moment. Blasting saxophone that feels like it's just playing the same note over and over again, but increasingly getting louder and louder, before a harsh guitar cuts off to the finish, where everything feels like it's stacked on top of each other in chaotic unity as the track ends. Track X is pretty far and away my favorite on the whole project, and it's mostly due to the fact that it's so vastly different from every other track they'd put out. For starters, it's entirely drumless, leaving a guitar and quiet sax to pick up the slack. Isaac Wood softly sings about love and loss and all the steps in between, and the lyrics are kind of confusing and weird, but that's pretty par for the course for this band. I also appreciate how he sings more on this track, not only him, but the backing vocalists as well. In the majority of these tracks, Wood kind of sing talks in a way that makes him seem either melodramatic or like a carnival barker with no real in-between. I appreciate his willingness to sing here, and that seems to be the case going forward as well with singles from their upcoming album. Track X, in my opinion, taught Black Country New Road to play quietly. They don't have to play loud and shockingly the whole time, and Track X is proof that they can craft an excellent track with a catchy melody without blowing out the venue. The final track, Opus, feels like Black Country New Road is attempting to burn down the studio they're recording in, starting out at a breakneck pace before slowing down for more of an introspective rap. Reminiscing on the band they made, how they used it as a tool for grieving, how the pain and emotion lightens an audience but still hurts them, almost like the songs are a time capsule of negative emotions. After the song slowly picks up pace before Isaac recites the line of, Let me tell you brother, and everybody's coming up, and what we must fall to the rising flames. And now everyone's coming up, and we built must fall to the rising flames. I don't know why Hulk Hogan keeps on showing up. I don't know why. I don't know why, of all the wrestlers I can choose to do impression, I choose Hulk Hogan. 
Uh, this is the most emotional and critical part to the track. It's not the largest, loudest, or fastest section on the album. However, it's the most intense. It feels like the track is spiraling in flames, with saxophone, guitar, and bass all surrounding Isaac as he rants on, sounding like he's slowly burning to nothing amidst the heat. And in the end, the album is just ashes and rubble amidst sparks and small flames. Everything's burnt to a crisp. Yeah, everything's burnt to a crisp. Everything's burnt to a crisp. Everything's burnt to a crip. <laughs> Everything is burnt to a crip. That's why they crip walk. Because all the crust. Because it's hot. <laughs> when this album first came out, my biggest criticism was that pretty much all the tracks had already dropped way ahead of time. It's only a six-track album, clocking in at about 40 minutes. Two of those songs had been readily available for about two years at this point, and two other tracks had dropped as promotional singles months before. Fans of the group eager to get their hands on a full-length project, myself included, truly only had two brand new songs, the opener and the closer. After letting the album sit for a little bit and re-listening recently for this review, I don't necessarily take back my criticism, but I think I understand a little bit more about why it is that way. In watching interviews with them and some of their contemporaries like Black Midi, apparently this is a pretty standard thing for this new wave of post-punk bands to do. They've recorded these songs so long ago and are now releasing them as soon and as quickly as their labels are allowing them. In doing this, though, I almost see for the first time as a time capsule for the band, like Vincent stole from me. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed to write something, and I wrote <laughs> the words Exactly from what I wrote. <laughs> It works for Greta Van Fleet, so it works for me. Black Country New Road is still continuing to grow and change, both in popularity and style-wise. It's a young endeavor overall, both as the band as a whole and the individual members. In addition, each member has made it adamantly clear that they are all different people with different styles and influences and music interests. Not only this, but people do a lot of growing and changing from their teens into their 20s. If the majority of these songs were recorded when the members were, say, 19 or so, they probably have very different feelings and outlooks on the world than they did back when the songs were first written. This collection of tracks allows audiences a glimpse into the culmination of all the members' influences at the time of the release. Relatively, Track X is the newest song recorded, so it gives the most recent indication of the band's headspace. The song's more melody-driven structure definitely is what we see on new singles like Chaos Space Marine and Concord, so I think it's pretty safe to say that that's the direction they're going in. I'm really glad that I let this album sit for the majority of the year before really coming back to it and digging into it. When it first dropped, like I mentioned, I was admittedly disappointed with the final product. The songs were good, don't get me wrong, but I wanted more new material. As singles from their upcoming album, Ants From Up There, have dripped in, I felt a lot of renewed interest for the group. After leaving their album alone for a while, I've come to enjoy it more and see for the first time for what the group intended it to be. A collection of songs all written, recorded, and therefore documenting a very specific time in the group members' lives. While they may not echo the same sentiments or angst anymore as they did then, I would compare this pretty favorably to Weezer's Blue Album or Radiohead's Pablo Honey. They're all just bottled up angst of young people, and eventually those young people grow up. With newer singles, I've seen the light at the end of the tunnel for Black Country New Road, and I think they have as well. Ouch. Wiki. For some time, I think I've been a little disillusioned with Brooklyn rapper Wiki. He showed so much potential with early material, both with Rat King and his solo mixtape Lil Me, which featured Living With My Moms and Three Stories. He also killed it on multiple features from his contemporaries like Earl Sweatshirt, Mike, and Droog, even up until as recent as earlier this year when he hopped on the track No Time from Droog's Time album. So why did I constantly feel disappointed with his solo efforts? 
While his last record, Oofy, had some great promotional singles, the project as a whole just didn't really land for me, so I definitely went into his latest effort, Half God, with some caution. Even after hearing that the entire thing was produced by skateboarder-turned-rapper and producer Navy Blue, and the singles featuring both Navy and Earl again, I still didn't hold my breath. I put off listening to this project for a long time because of it, but on multiple recommendations, I finally just went for it. And after listening, I'm all too happy to say that this is probably Wiki's best project to date. Half God is the album Wiki has been needing ever since putting out his debut album, No Mountains in Manhattan, back in 2017. An album with the occasional fun hit, but lacking anything making the project worth a full re-listen. It's missing character at times, and Wiki came off as generic East Coast underground rapper. This would kind of follow him on Oofy, which while a better project felt too loose and lacked a grounding sense of maturity, we gave it a positive review at the time, but the elements I liked most about the project weren't unique to that project alone. It was the kind kind of dirty, slimy charm Wiki brings to the table that I enjoyed. This character shows up on his work with Rat King and on his tape Little Me, and it continues on this project Half God, which is a more mature and focused project for Wiki. Having the consistency of navy blue on the project really helps him out. The sound across is uniform and setting, so Wiki never feels out of place. The production navy blue brings to the table is similar in tone to that of Earl Sweatshirt, Mike, and your old Drew. This kind of hazy, nostalgic, sample-heavy production, just dramatically lingering in the background, while super repetitive, it increases the focus on Wiki, which when combined with the consistency of Wiki's flow and Blue's production, makes Wiki's most stable album to date. I really think what made all the difference for Half God was Wiki's focus on specifics, whether that be specific stories, locations, events, or people. An aspect I really liked about the tracks Living With My Moms and Three Stories was Wiki's storytelling ability, a key feature that was sorely lacking on Oofy. That skill is back on this project, with Wiki focusing on New York City and growing up there. He sounds surprisingly mature and together, crafting these songs and stories about different aspects of the city. On the track Roof, Wiki describes being up on the roof of his apartment building, which is a safe haven among the hustle and stress of everyday life in the streets below. He raps about the weather and the wind and looking down at all the people walking like ants on the sidewalk. He's so descriptive with the track, it feels like you're up there having a smoke session with him in person. Another favorite is Never Fall Off, where Wiki describes being in a committed relationship with a woman and taking it to the next level. This sort of thing isn't touched upon in music a lot, unless you're Chance the Rapper, so it's endearing to hear Wiki just <laughs> gush over this girl he's in love with. Yeah, it's actually very cutesy for Wiki, surprisingly, and that's kind of yeah. like, I don't know, this kind of like tough, tough appearance guy actually being a sweetheart for one moment because he likes this girl is really compelling for me. Moments like Roof, Remarkably Never Fall Off, and Ego Death bring to mind the outro to his track Three Stories Off Little Me. In this snippet, someone describes Wiki as someone who lives and breathes lyrics, equating rhymes as a necessity in his life and how he couldn't do anything without it. These three tracks bring to mind that idea carrying a rawness similar to that of a freestyle. However, I feel like there's this intimate construction to his flow, like you're reading the lyrics directly off a handwritten sheet, and this connection through his performance is what peaks this album for me. I think the fundamentals carried by him make this album remarkable. Even though Wiki might output a gray, mundane, dusty personality, he carries a certain beauty through his lyrics when he really digs deep. 
creating urban majestic poetry told through a leaded point of view. The Closer Grape Soda is the track that reruns through my mind the most. A reflective vocal harmony loops while Wiki is equal parts nostalgic and pessimistic. Saying that this track reminds him of Grape Soda in the summertime and that all that Grape Soda gonna clog your arteries give you diabetes. Reflecting on past memories but also showing him growing older and having to reflect on the meaning of life. Wiki paints a vibrant picture of his New York nostalgia while also showing that living in your past can make you lose sight of your future. I also feel like the influence of Navy Blue's production is severely understated on this project. His signature hazy and heavy beats provide a new backdrop for Wiki's raps, one that he hasn't really seen before. An excellent example, like Vincent mentioned, is Ego Death, which pits Wick against a tough 3-4 beat. The instrumental stumbles and trips as Wiki just glides over the top, handling each curveball perfectly. A couple excellent production moments are in the last couple of tracks, New Truths, Grape Soda, and Still Here, which swap heavy bass lines for a picked acoustic guitar and vocal samples, more melodic instruments to match Wiki's singing. On the flip side, one of my biggest criticisms about Half God is the lack of beat progression. I understand that the nature of beats is to repeat and vamp, but especially in some of the tracks on the first half, I get kind of bored with the instrumentals, no matter how cool or smooth they may sound. Luckily though, Wiki and Navy Blue are a match made in heaven. For the most part, Wiki's wordplay and verses can pick up some of the slacks of a repetitive beat, or when Wiki might be telling a less engaging story, I appreciate Navy Blue's production all the more. When they work in tandem though, that's the stuff that career highlights are made of. When I first listened to this album, I was on my way over to Trevor's, driving through nowhere, passing from small city to small city. The sun was shining, it was a pleasant fall afternoon. As I was traveling through the unknown, I felt this comfort through the storytelling of Wiki. It felt like at the end of the album, I knew a tiny bit about the person behind the persona, creating one of the most unique listening experiences I've had all year. This album definitely has its flaws, its repetition and length being the most evident. They become even more noticeable on repeat listens, however, with each re-listen, and there's a moment or track that takes me back to that October headspace. It's not nostalgia, it's the surprise of the connection Wiki is able to communicate through this album. Yay! When you start to dig into Lingua Ignota's world, it's only then that you realize that there's so much going on beneath the surface of Sinner Get Ready that you probably would have never realized just upon listening. This only stands as a testament to the intelligence and sharp wit of Kristen Hader, the woman behind Lingua Ignota. The album is chock full of references to everything from artists and authors to evangelists and old religious texts. It's difficult to discern exactly what this album is or what it stands for, so instead, I'll just talk to you about what it means to me. The most fascinating thing to me about this album is that it never really feels like a critique of Christianity or religion of any kind, mostly just some of the people who interpret it and practice it. Lingua Inota showcases the dark side of vengeance. This gospel-inspired music takes God's wrath to a new level, taking her previous album Caligula and placing it in another dimension. This album is warm and beautiful while also being heartbreaking and painful. The environment created is unmatched, showcasing critiques on religion and ignorance while also showing a balanced character fronted by Ignota. You understand the emotions and motivations, which makes this religious album not feel preachy, a truly unique piece which reflects the largest vision of Lingua Inota to date. Lingua carries tremendous weight throughout her performance here. Carrie is similar weight as the silent film The Passion of Joan of Arc. Like most silent films, it relies on overexpression to portray emotion. The film's emotion came from the intense glare of actress Renee Maria Falconetti, who expresses so much pain, sadness, and anger with a single gaze. 
Tight, intimate shots of her bring discomfort to the audience, as you have to stare into the soul of a woman who's being broke down by the world around her. The auditory version of this stare is Lingua's uncomfortable pleas to God, breaking down in a similar manner in front of you by God and a world who have forsaken her. The album is a grand overexpression of motion because that's the only way Lingua could have the audience imagine that type of pain. As Lingua has said, many of the lyrics and song titles come from old Mennonite or Amish texts from the 17 to 1800s. These are then interspersed with sound bites and vocal snippets from more modern day interpretations of these faiths. It creates this weird duality across the record, one that showcases some of the problems of American primitivism and how those have evolved and twisted over the years. Some tracks place me in the mindset of the world of the Scarlet Letter, the Crucible, or the Salem Witch Trials, when America truly was interpreted as God's country. Hellfire and Brimstone-style religion was commonplace, and people died for it, as evidenced by all three of those examples. There was no room for error in these primitive societies. It's easy to look back at these now and say that there was possibly a problem there, but the fact of the matter is that there are still people that live like that. It's true that groups like the Quakers and Mennonites are still around, but also this type of scary religion with a vengeful God have twisted into new forms. Look no further than the Westboro Baptist Church or Televangelist. Or Kanye West. Or Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) Or Sunday service, because you won't get paid. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas more primitive groups mostly keep to themselves, newer religions are loud and proud, and their message has seeped into the American consciousness in a very scary way, becoming political even. This connection is how Lingua can essentially have Americana-style instrumentation on a track and then end it with Jimmy Swaggart's confession of seeing prostitutes. In her lyrics, Lingua questions these people and their beliefs. She seeks God in God's country and cannot find him, and yet there's no critique in God himself, just the people who preach exclusivity and fear in order to elevate their own earthly platforms. It's a very, very fine line to toe, but Lingua does it masterfully. Instrumentally, this album takes place in both the contemporary classical and the folk realm. Center Get Ready carries some of the most blunt instrumentation I've heard all year. Bells that project you to another realm, percussion that tears the track apart like an earthquake, organs that are beautiful but at the same time are so heavy that you have no choice but to fall beneath their weight, twangy and murderous strings like the type that show up on many hands. It sounds like you took the strings out of a piano or guitar, stretched them out, and started plucking away at them with violent intent. The unholy ringing rages on, keeping the audience at the edge of their seats. Music-wise, Lingua also draws from multiple eras of religious music. The opening track, The Order of Spiritual Virgins, is done in the style of congregational singing meets synth chords. The calls to hide your children and husbands sounds like a cult marching into a burning city. There are pounding, startling cluster chords on the piano and ear-splitting feedback, giving a fearful background of her lush vocals. Although it's just Lingua singing, I love how she layers her vocals on top of each other, but not with such precision that it comes across as multiple people singing instead of just one. It adds a very organic feel to the track. Pennsylvania Furnace, on the other hand, takes a more primitive approach before it erupts into an almost contemporary Christian song, like You Raise Me Up or something. Lingua sings about a Pennsylvania Dutch legend in which an Iron Master throws his dogs into the furnace and they come back to drag him into hell. The track is essentially about the inevitability of death and eventually Judgment Day, but it's sung in such a beautiful way that if you're not paying attention, the message will completely slip by you. 
Another one of my favorite moments is the final track, The Solitary Brethren of Ephrata, which kicks off with a CNN news clip of a reporter interviewing a woman who says she cannot get sick or be affected by COVID because she's covered in the blood of Jesus. Thank you very much. It then winds down into a hymn-like performance from Lingua, where she repeats over and over, Paradise Will Be Mine, until it finally sounds like she's accepting defeat. Lingua says this song is about accepting loneliness, but to me, it's accepting the state of our country. As I said before, it's all too easy to critique certain religious groups and ideals of those in the past, but the truth is, we still have people in our midst that believe the same things with extra layers of nonsense and politics caked on top of it. At the end of the day, I think that's the toughest pill to swallow. Truthfully, there's way too much to talk about for this album. You could listen to it for days and still not catch every word or reference if you're not too emotionally and mentally drained after listening to it once. Lingua's last album was an emotional tar pit by design, constantly drowning the listener in her experience. Sinner Get Ready takes the idea of Caligula and completely turns traumatic sketches into a mural. Caligula had the experience, this grounding sorrow which took you with it. Sinner Get Ready takes all the emotion comparable to that and puts it into a context and storyline. Falling through the pain and sorrow, but also having the glowing performances and captivating instrumentation to keep the audience afloat over all the rage, anger, and sadness that is the emotional tar pit, making it a more accessible listen compared to Caligula, but still having the backbone which makes you feel the same type of grief Lingua's music possesses. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Anthony and Todd Show. The next time you see us, we're going to be talking to you about our favorite EPs of the year and my favorite P's of the year. <laughs> If you want to follow the Anthony Todd Show on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at YouTube.com forward slash Anthony and Todd Show. I have a new album out, Layer Effects, Songs to Inspire Creativity, which is out right now on Spidal. I said Spidal. So it was like Spyro Enter the Dragon. <laughs> out on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. You can find me on Twitter at The Vincent Short. You can find Trevor on Twitter at Alistair McCallis. But until next time, guys, I've been Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see ya, boyos. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Goodbye.